Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. It's so great to see you today in the house of the Lord, and you've joined us via online services. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 3. We are in the middle of a sermon series titled, Living in a Post-Truth Era. You asked for it. Living in a Post-Truth Era. Today, I've given my thoughts this title, Even in the Fire. How many know God is faithful even in the fire? (laughs) How many can say God is good even in the fire? the fire. Daniel chapter 3 is that most famous story of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fiery furnace. I love this story, and I believe God has a challenge for you and I. Let's begin reading in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 3 out of the New Living Translation. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came And stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So get this picture in your mind. All the political leaders of the known Babylonian empire are called together. And they're standing before this massive golden statue. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today. We ask you, Lord, to open our hearts to receive Give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Lord, I pray that you would give me, your servant, the courage to speak your word. I pray, God, you anoint me today. And, Lord, that I would be hidden behind the cross of Calvary. And Jesus would be exalted. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, it is interesting that no sooner had King Nebuchadnezzar made a powerful acknowledgement of Daniel's God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob being the true God in chapter 2. No sooner had he made that most powerful declaration, we then see in the opening verses of chapter 3 that King Nebuchadnezzar is now declaring that everybody must bow before this golden statue, demanding all to worship. Now, this is not surprising on several fronts. One being, Babylon is a polytheistic society. Being a polytheistic society means one easily accepts the shifting tides of change without challenging the norms. A post-truth era is a polytheistic culture. A culture that believes in many gods, many ways to God. 
A post-truth era is a polytheistic culture, a culture which believes in many gods, many roads to God, and many avenues to seek out the divine. But Daniel and his friends teach us one can live a monotheistic life even while in Babylon. In other words, one can believe in the one true God while living in a post-truth era. Daniel and his companions lived with conviction. They lived with character and faith. My challenge to glad tidings, my challenge to those who are listening today is that we would be a people who live by biblical conviction. We live out godly characteristics and we are a people that walk by faith, challenging the norms of society. These men, they lived their lives in integrity even when Babylon came calling. They walked in integrity. They lived without compromise. They did so with respect and without anger. This is the place where we as the church must reach. We must be able to challenge the post-truth era without compromise, but do so with respect and without anger. Anger will control you. Anger will cause you to get off course. Anger will get you locked in your emotions. Church, we must learn to be compassionate yet bold. We must learn to be fierce yet also peaceable. We must learn to stand upon biblical truth, not out of anger, but because we know that we know that we know it's the word of the living God. Can somebody say amen? The church was never meant to live in anger, but with courage, boldness, and conviction. If you're only known by your anger, then you're only known by what you stand against. And may we be known by what we stand for. And can I remind you what we stand for? We stand for life. We stand for freedom. But church when we're not free until all of us are free. We stand for justice and righteousness for every life, for every man. We stand for redemption and restoration. I remind you the gospel of Jesus Christ is the story of redemption and restoration. It's the story of how God redeems the fallen and how God restores the broken. God has done it in your life time and time again. And that's the message Babylon needs to hear today. Our God's a God of redemption. He already paid the price. He already made the purchase. Listen to the apostle Peter as he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You've been redeemed, but it wasn't with corruptible things that's going to fade with time, lose value with time, even though they're precious today. You've been redeemed 
by the life of Jesus. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And can I tell you that the old hymn still stands true. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood to redeem you, to forgive you, and to wash away every sin. There's power in the blood to sustain you. May we always preach the cross of Calvary. May we always declare the precious blood of Jesus that redeems the fallen and empowers the church to be the church. It's important that you and I stand strong while living in Babylon. Let me give you a fact about Babylon. Babylon makes decisions based upon political expediency of the moment, the influence of the influence surrounding the throne. And what we come to understand is that there has been some time which has lapsed between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 3, probably several years. And Daniel, though promoted to the kingdom, has no doubt been away from direct influence on King Nebuchadnezzar. And there's other influences around the throne. Let me give us an important note. Seek to have direct contact and influence on the powers that be while in Babylon. Disengagement is not the key, but engagement is. Healthy engagement is imperative. You see it throughout the scriptures. God always has his Nehemiahs. God always has his Daniels. And I'm challenging you, be a Nehemiah, be a Daniel, be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't disengage, but engage in healthy ways. Be an influence so that God can use your position uh, to speak to the powers that be, that the church of Jesus Christ is still alive. Hear me, in the 21st century, in 2020, God is still building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. May the church be engaged. I think it's important that we stop seeing ministry as simply a staff position at a church. Ministry positions must be taken to the marketplace. We need Christians who are bold in their faith in the office space. We need Christians who are quiet influencers in the business world. We need Christians who are seeking political office, willing to be a part of the dialogue. If we believe the Christian message that Jesus saves, and church, we do, we believe the gospel message is the solution to the social ills of our society, then we must stop separating the secular from the spiritual and ask God to raise up some teachers, some lawyers, some politicians, some business leaders and entrepreneurs, raise up men and women who have a biblical worldview and are willing to influence Babylon for the kingdom of God. It's imperative that we develop a biblical worldview and we become influencers of change. Let me tell you what I'm believing God is doing during this season. I believe God is raising up an army of God-fearing, Holy Ghost-filled, spirit-sanctified, devil-stomping believers who will boldly, fiercely live out their faith. My prayer is, Father in heaven, 
raise up a blood-bought, Jesus-loving, spirit-filled generation who will storm the gates of hell. And by storming the gates of hell, you're going to ransack the kingdom of darkness and plunder the devil's goods. How many are tired of the devil plundering your house? How many are tired of the devil plundering uh, your family? It's time the church of Jesus Christ stands up in righteousness. Be spirit-filled. Be filled with the anointing of God because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The church must be engaged in every aspect of the community while living in the post-truth era. We must be engaged in meeting the needs of the hurting. I'm so proud of Glad Tidings. You have helped give over 250,000 pounds of food given away to people in need. Over, over a, a monetary value, over $500,000 that you in the last three and a half months have been able to bless you, as a church, because of the kindness of the generosity of business leaders within our community, have given over 100000 plus, almost $150,000 of, of, of getting churches open because of hand sanitizer, masks. Yeah. You've helped do that. We must be a church that continues to engage in our community. Yeah. We're living in a post-truth era. And what's going to cause those who buy into the lie of our culture to turn and see the truth is when they see the power of God in your life, when they see the church being the church. The church stands for biblical truth in a post-truth era. Babylon stands for nothing and falls for everything, but the church stands on biblical truth. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want to talk about is this. In Babylon, everything has to be bigger and better. Opens up in Daniel chapter 3, talks about how large this statue is. If you study the scriptures, in this known time, it was the largest thing in Babylon empire. This statue Nebuchadnezzar builds a gold statue 90 feet tall, tall and nine feet wide, bigger than anything else in the kingdom. One writer puts it this way. What the king of Babylon did must be vast and colossal. Nebuchadnezzar's empire was colossal. Everything must be in keeping with it. Kind of sounds like the 21st century. Everything's got to be bigger than your neighbor. Everything's got to be bigger. They got something. You got to have something a little bit more. We live in a very consumer society. God's called you not to be a consumer. God's called you to be an investor. God's called you not to be one who just receives. God's called you to be one who imparts. And I believe God is going to use his church to impart some things in this post-truth era. You'll notice in verse 2 and 3, all the politicians, all the leaders of that known world were called together. He summons all the political leaders to attend this statue's dedication. It's the who's who of Babylon being present. They're there in attendance. It was the red carpet event 
King Nebuchadnezzar's reputation was on the line. Verse 4 and 5 tells us there was a proclamation. It says, the heralds shouted, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound, the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. When the music starts, bow down and worship. The penalty for those who do not, in verse 6, it says, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound, the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. See, while living in a post-truth era, there will be times when man's law contradicts God's law. And one has to make their mind up. Whose law are you going to live by? Now understand this, even when you choose God's way, there is a price to pay. Sometimes we think if we choose God's way, life is always going to be easy. So when persecution breaks out or, or there's repercussions because we're taking a stand, then we're blindsided and we begin to question, why is this happening? Life isn't fair. Hear me. Even when you do the right thing, sometimes there's a price to pay. Let me tell you what it's going to take in Babylon. You have to be willing to pay the price, even in Babylon. Which brings us to our second point. In Babylon, be faithful to your convictions. Be faithful to your convictions. And I trust your convictions are based in biblical truth. Be faithful. Verse 8 says, some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him of the Jews, talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Church, can I tell you, there's always one. The devil always has one. There's always somebody in Babylon trying to take you out. There's always somebody in Babylon with the spirit of the devil on them, and they're always looking for trouble. They're always looking to divide, always looking to find reason to bring accusation. And the king learns that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have refused to bow. Look at verse 12 and listen to the accuser. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Let me tell you something. There will always be haters. Don't be sidetracked by the haters. There's always going to be people trying to flip what you are doing. There's always going to be people in your life who are trying to cause trouble for you. Can I give you this challenge? Be yourself. Be true to who God's called you to be. Be true to his calling upon your life. Live out your purpose even when others don't like it. Live out your purpose. 
Let me give you a truth point. Babylon is filled with people who are jealous of the favor that's upon you. So they're going to try and put you down to keep you down. However, keep walking in favor. Let the haters hate and the envious be jealous because God has your back. Keep walking in the favor of God. You say, well, how do I walk in favor? Keep walking in biblical truth. Keep walking in obedience. As you walk in obedience to the word, the favor of God's upon your life. Listen, all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, he says, if you do these things, the blessings of the Lord will be upon you and for a thousand generations to come. There will always be haters. Don't highlight the haters. Be faithful to what God's called you to do. Quit giving the haters so much attention. Walk in the favor of God. Because God has your back. In Babylon, be faithful to your convictions. Let me rephrase that. Be faithful to biblical convictions. Because sometimes we have some convictions and they're not biblical. <laughs> so what do you need to do? Let the word of God shine light on that false conviction so you can really know what convictions are and then line yourself up with the word of God because hear me, everything around you is going to fade, but the word's going to last forever. And when your convictions are based upon the word, then you'll be able to stand. Why? Because the word is truth. So every conviction you have, let the test be, what does God's word say? Develop biblical convictions, even in Babylon. Now, the king is furious. The king is upset. The king is mad. He's angry. But then he kind of calms down a little bit. And in verse 15, he says, I want to give you guys one more chance. See, Babylon's always trying to convince you to do what it wants instead of what God wants. Babylon is always trying to get you to compromise instead of you standing upon biblical conviction. Verse 15, it says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse... You'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Now notice this phrase. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? What God will be able to rescue you from my power? Can I tell you something about Babylon? Babylon always sets itself as the ultimate power even above God. It is the ultimate demonstration of the spirit of Antichrist in the world. I will set my throne above God's throne. King Nebuchadnezzar is drunk on power. And he says, who shall deliver you? What God shall deliver you from my power? Who? Look at your neighbor and say, my God. <laughs> 
Who's going to deliver you? My God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. My God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. My God, he's king of all kings and he's Lord of all lords. My God, he's the ancient of days and the fairest of 10,000. Who's going to deliver you from King Nebuchadnezzar? Let me tell you, my God who's the first and the last of all things. He will deliver you. He will be with you even in Babylon. Live with conviction in Babylon. I love what God is doing in these men. Remember, haters are always going to hate. Quit giving them too much attention. Begin to live out your purpose. Keep your mind focused on your purpose. Notice these three men's answers. You'll notice there in verse 16 and 18. The next, next few verses are my favorite verses of the whole chapter. Because they speak to us. They speak of conviction. They speak of courage. And commitment. There comes a point in your life when you got to commit to something. And commitment means you just walk it out. You walk it out. Even when you can't feel it, you walk it out. Even when it doesn't make sense, you walk it out. Even when you can't see the activity, God working, you walk it out. Why? Because you're committed. Because you have a firm belief, a conviction that says he'll never leave me nor will he forsake me. Church, this is the time for you and I to walk it out. It's the time for the church to be committed. It's the time for the church to put her money where her mouth is and just keep walking, keep trusting, keep believing. And when you're committed to it, God is going to show up. And when God God shows up. He always does the miraculous. He always does something uh, wonderful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego teach us to live life with conviction. Look at verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Let me give you a little rhema word the Lord gave me in 830 service. Too many of us are trying to defend ourselves to the world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we don't need to defend ourselves. We know who we are. We know who our God is. And we know what we're going to do. You got to know who your God is. You got to know who you are in him. And then you just got to know how you're going to respond, how you're going to act. You're going to be faithful. You're going to walk in integrity. You're going to walk in godly characteristic. You're going to walk in the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, kindness, gentleness. That's still a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> you're going to put away anger, and you're going to say, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to walk it out. Listen to what they said. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God whom we serve is able to save us. There's the hope. He's able to save us. God's able to do it. Amen. He will rescue us from your power. There's faith. 
Hope turns to faith. Hope says, I believe a better day is coming. Faith says, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. He will deliver us because he's a good God. But Lois verse 18, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. What a powerful statement. What a, what a great philosophy to live by. The God we serve is able to deliver us. He will rescue us. But even if he does not, we want to be clear to you. We don't want you to misunderstand. We don't want you to get this idea that we're disappointed. We don't want you to get this idea we're going to throw in the towel. We believe our God's going to work. Matter of fact, we declare he's going to do it. But even if he doesn't show up the way we think he is, we're still going to serve him. We're still going to be faithful. We're still going to be committed. Why? Because we are sons of the Most High. Church, I believe there's a time in our our history that we got to say, I know my God can work and I believe he will work. But even if he doesn't do like I think he's going to do, I'm not going to bow down to Babylon. I'm not going to serve Babylon. I'm going to declare he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords because I've got the conviction of resurrection power. Somebody give God praise. In the post-truth era, what's going to speak loud and clear to a generation living in a post-truth era is a church that lives with conviction, even in Babylon. There are some things worth standing for. There are some things worth going to the guillotine for. And there are some things worth losing some friends over. It's important you live with conviction while living in Babylon. The king is angry. Can I tell you what happens in Babylon? Anger continues to well. Anger continues to boil. But God still shows up even when Babylon's burning, God still shows up. Can I tell you, God is showing up today. He showed up yesterday. And I want to remind you, God's going to show up tomorrow. Be filled with hope. When I say this, I believe it with all of my heart. I believe the best days of glad tidings is in front and not behind us. God gave me a prophetic word. I remind you, glad tidings. Some of you are new. You, don't, you hadn't been here. But back in February, it was about it was the first three weeks of February, the Lord gave me a vision coming to work. I saw the skyline for a minute. For a minute, it looked like we were in the mountains. And the Lord gave me a vision of what the new heavens and the new earth would be like. And just possibly, that new heavens and new earth, wouldn't it be great if Florida had some mountains? Wouldn't that be nice? And I thought about that. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I'm about to change the landscape. Some of the people will embrace it. Those who lean in 
are going to receive it. But others are going to resist it. And they're not going to be able to move forward. But they'll move on. Hear me. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You and I together. Are a part of that new landscape. Of what God is doing. In West Orange County. Can somebody say amen. The third. The final point is this. In Babylon. You're not alone in the fire. King Neb, he was upset, he was mad, he was angry. And it tells us that he, he told them to, to increase the fire of the furnace seven times, hotter than it's ever been. And the scripture, the narrative tells us that those who opened the furnace, that the heat was so strong that they died. And the narrative is letting you know how intense this fire and how that fire was meant to consume everything it would come in contact with. Until. <laughs> Verse 24. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Looking into the fire, Nebuchadnezzar was amazed and he saw two incredible things. The three men are still alive. And the second thing, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four unbound. Now, I need to stop right there because I want you to see something. Because the, the, the scripture tells us that they threw them bound in the fiery furnace. They were bound. It was meant to be constrained. But then when Nebuchadnezzar looked, he saw four men doing what? Walking in the fire. They were no longer bound. God will take that which is meant to constrain you. God will take that which is meant to hold you down. And he will set you free even in the fire. Hear me. When you're living in Babylon, according to biblical conviction, there's freedom even in the fire. There's freedom even in the furnace. There's freedom even in the hardship. Tell me my God isn't good. Tell me my God isn't faithful. God is here to help you. The best is yet to come. Believe and trust. God is working on your behalf. The fourth man. Now, the New Living Translation, I don't quite like the way it puts it. It says, saw a fourth man looking like a god, a little G. The King James, that old English, it says, look, the fourth man looked like the son of God. In Babylon, if you live with conviction... You'll never be in the fire alone. I didn't say you wouldn't go through the fire. Because we're living in a post-truth era. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where there is a struggle going on between good and evil. We're going to have some hardships. We're going to have some tough days. We're going to have some fire furnaces 
to go through. But if you'll make a decision to live by biblical standards while in Babylon, Jesus will be with you in the fire. Babylon may try to bind you, but God's going to release you. There's freedom. (laughs) I thought of this, and I wrote it in my notes, but I didn't say it in the first service. It's as if the Hebrew children are dancing in the fire. They're dancing in the fire. Now, the only time a preacher like me is allowed to dance these days is at a wedding ceremony. So we need some folk to get married around here so we can have a party. It's a time of celebration. And we see these three Hebrew children in the furnace. (laughs) There's a party going on in there. (laughs) Listen, Babylon's trying to kill and destroy you. But Jesus is about to throw a party on your behalf. Get ready to see the miraculous. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ability and the privilege of sharing your word today. God, I thank you. Thank you that we're living in this day, this period, this moment. God, as as our nation is in the fiery furnace of COVID-19, as our nation's in the fiery furnace, and, and God, we're walking through this intense thing that's attacked not only our nation, but the world. Father, I believe we're not alone. And what the enemy's trying to use to confine us and hold us restrictive, God, you're raising the church up to be a light shining in the darkness. Because the needs around us are many. And I want to thank you for the privilege of allowing us to meet those needs in a very practical way. But Lord, there are moments in our life as individuals that there's a line drawn in the sand where we're going to have to stand upon conviction and principle. And I pray, God, that you'll give us the courage to stand upon biblical values. That we'll develop convictions based upon biblical truth. So when the fire comes, God, we won't flinch. We'll be ready. And we'll know that even in Babylon, we are not alone in the fire. And we thank you, Jesus.